It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome into the Hard Count, the people show for every single thing that you know and that you love about college football. It happens here on a daily basis. I'm Jody Pakel. Nick Brake does the real heavy lifting. You can help drive the show by subscribing to the channel. Like I already said, we're the people show. We would not be the people show if we didn't include the people in the show. With that being said, at the end of this show, we're going to have a Q&A. So right now, jump in the live chat. Hit us with your questions. The keeper of the queue, Nick Brake, is going to read them off at the end, going to try and get to as many as possible. But like I said, the interaction, the community that we're building here is what makes this so special. We are fired up. It is a Thursday afternoon, right about to jump into college football week seven. Got Baylor, West Virginia tonight. Have a stacked slate this coming Saturday, and we're going to unpack everything that is set to unfold. Going to talk a lot about Florida and LSU. LSU going to Gainesville. And that's one of those games where you just kind of take the record, crumple it up, throw it to the corner, forget about it. You can pack light in this game because you don't need to bring common sense with you. All right, logic out the window. Also, going to continue to feed the beast that is the Tennessee fan base. And we're going to talk about what would have to happen. Nay, let's lay out the map. How would Tennessee get to the college football playoff? Because the beautiful part about it is it's a conversation that we get to have at this point in time. Got to take down Bama, or I guess you have to play Bama first, so we're going to have a conversation about that in itself, but let's chart the course a little bit. How did the Vols get to the CFP? Going to unpack that in its entirety. Oklahoma State got a very big game this coming Saturday against TCU in Fort Worth. Pole position in the Big 12 is at stake. Going to give you our pick and our prediction on that one. That's going to be a big game. It's going to be a game that I think personally could have some college football playoff implications. That'll be our last segment we'll finish with. Dark horses, they're always around this time of year, sort of grazing about, finding their footing. Who do we like at this point in the year? Like outside of those big brands, the Bamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, what's a dark horse that could sneak up in this whole equation and be a team that finds themselves in that Final Four? And then like we already talked about, you are joining the party, cutting the red tape, kicking open the door even more than we already have it, quite frankly. And we're going to make sure that we include y'all as much as possible in the show, Q&A to end the whole operation. So jump in the live chat right now, hit us with your questions. We'll get this whole thing revved up. Before we get into all that, though, we got to talk about the University of Texas at Austin because they just absolutely took an Oklahoma team to the woodshed. They're down bad. I understand that. They're not an Oklahoma that we're used to seeing, but won the Red River rivalry 49-0. to And so the good people in Austin are starting to get a little bit fidgety, starting to get a little bit excited and say, hey, you saw Quinn Ewers out there absolutely dealing, saw him parking wherever he wants now on the 40 acres. What happens if we went out? Nay, let's, let's back up a little bit. Could we win out? Is that a possibility? One of you asked that question on Twitter. We're going to get to it and unpack it right now for its own segment. So with that being said, what is the schedule that's left for Texas? I'll unpack it for you right now. we got Iowa State at home. Go to Stillwater, Oklahoma. That'll be a very big game. Play Oklahoma State. Get a bye week. Then you go to Kansas State, the Little Apple. 
play Adrian Martinez and company. That'll be another tricky game, but a very winnable game. Play TCU at home. You go to Kansas in revenge tour kind of fashion. Kansas looking a little bit stronger than you probably anticipated they would at that point in the year. Finish the year off with Baylor, and then you got the Big 12 title, assuming that all goes your way. So here's the good news. Every single game that I just mentioned is winnable for Texas. Here's the bad news. With the nature of the Big 12 and, quite frankly, what we've seen from Texas in the past, all those games are also losable. So what are the ingredients we need to see from this program to be able to get that done? We talked about it a little bit at the end of our last live show, but let's just look at what has to happen. I think, first of all, health is wealth, right? Like, that's not a novel concept. Being healthy is crucial to success, regardless of your program. I think we'll take that a step further. Health at key positions is, I mean, it can't be overstated for this Longhorn program. We'll start at quarterback. We've seen what they are without Quinn Ewers, and they're not a bad football team. Hudson Card's a guy that could win a lot of games for them, but they're toting that 1L right now from Texas Tech without number three in the ballgame, and I promise you, if they win out the rest of the way, the beautiful people in Austin, Texas will be saying, yeah, but if we had Quinn for the whole year, if we have him the rest of the time against Bama, if we have him we go to Lubbock, I mean, those are all games that you put an asterisk next to if you're a Longhorn fan. So health at quarterback, obviously. On top of that, health in the running back room. Roshan Johnson is a very crucial supporting player in this entire operation. Bijan Robinson. With the way that Steve Sarkeesian operates his offense, it's RPO. To put it simply, you're running to set up the pass. And if you're not able to run the football, if you don't have either of those guys at full strength, you start to gamble a little bit more with how that equation could work out. Your formula becomes a little bit more tweaked. Now, could you still win without them? Absolutely. Do you want to test that theory? Not at all. Finally, the offensive line. They're young to begin with. I mean, you got true freshmen playing on the offensive line. More than one. Have also some sophomores playing on the offensive line. I will just say this. Not to knock the depth of that offensive line, those underclassmen are playing right now at Texas for a reason. Guys that have very limited experience, if any, at the college level, and they're the best option for you right now in Austin. If you have to go to whoever's behind them, you start to feel a little bit more hesitant about the rest of your season. So can you stay healthy at those three key units? If you can, it's a very big deal, and you feel a lot better about winning out than you did previously. These next couple points are all internal in Austin because that's a thing we've talked about for a long time. The culture, how it's going to look different under Steve Sarkeesian. Bo Davis pretty much revamped that whole program when he went on the bus and told them a lot of things we can't say on air. He gave them his two cents, and we've seen a different program this year. Now, does that continue? I think it has to, but here's the first thing I would say. If you're a Texas Longhorn player, if you're on that staff, if you're in that building, don't drink your own Kool-Aid. One, it's unbecoming of you. Two, you, th this is a scenario where if you're Texas, this kind of success is new to you. And quite frankly, you can't be caught lacking. You can't afford to start feeling your own success at this point because you've done a lot of good things, right? Like played Bama really close. If you're into moral victory, that is one. Blew the doors off Oklahoma. That's a great win. But you have such an opportunity right now to run the table and to play for a Big 12 title. You control your own destiny. If you want to celebrate right now, that shows a lack of maturity. That shows a lack of culture. Now, I have some faith that this is kind of a new leaf at Texas, and I think some of the Oklahoma game gives us some encouragement. But right now, 
you're not you're not going to play a bunch of more big brands like that's kind of the thing that I also want to talk about the big brands are all behind you Oklahoma's behind you Alabama's behind you and you have everybody in Austin telling you how great you are everybody in Austin telling you how hey next year we're going to run it back with a national title even this year you're saying hey maybe we sneak into the college football playoff hate to be the bearer of bad news two losses probably not going to be the case if history is our teacher don't drink your own Kool-Aid champions don't do it Wait till the end of the year, drink some champagne if you're of age. Otherwise, celebrate with Martinelli's. Final thing, we talked about it a little bit already in this segment. Don't play the logo because the shiny logos, those big brands, the ones that get you excited to play on Saturday morning if you're playing on Saturday against one of those teams, I mean, Alabama behind you, Oklahoma behind you, you got to be fired up to play Iowa State at home. You got to be fired up to play a TCU team at home. Got to be fired up to go play Kansas. Like, you see what I'm saying here? If you want to have the external dictate how you play, you're not going to finish the season undefeated the rest of this way. You're just not. I mean, the, the Big 12 is too dynamic. There's too much parity. Quite frankly, the Big 12 as a conference is too good right now for you to bring anything less than your A-minus game and walk out of there with a dub. Now, for Texas, you may be the most talented team in all of these games. But if you play down to the logo you're going to get caught lacking. Now, can they do it? Absolutely. Will they do it? A lot of it depends on that, on that hinge point for me, quite frankly. I'll put it this way. Whenever you were in school, maybe you're still in school, you map out your entire final test grades, right? Like, hey, what do I have to get to keep my grade in this test? And quite frankly, there's some of those that are just gimme tests. There's some of those where you say, I can show up 10 minutes before, bring a pencil, I'm good to go. There's others where we got to bring our A game. Texas has no more gimmies on the schedule. None. That's done with. Got to bring their A game every single week. So like we said, is it possible? Absolutely. Will it happen? It all depends on Texas. I'm excited for that, though. To have a team like Texas, have a brand like Texas playing well, I think it's good for college football. Now, a lot of you are going to jump, come at me and say, hey, hey, Saying college football was bad before that? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's fun to have some of these blue bloods playing well. Is that a crime? I don't think so. To the same token, I think it's fun that Kansas is playing well, too. Let's jump into a little preview prediction action, shall we? LSU at Florida. Before we get into that, though, go ahead, subscribe to the channel. We appreciate it. It helps us. It helps you to do more of what you like to see. All right? Roll party. LSU going to Gainesville to play the Florida Gators. Gators are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Like we alluded to, this is a game where you can travel light. You don't need to bring logic. You don't need to bring common sense. You don't need to be reasoning when you predict this game. There's a lot of things that we're just going to not pack for this game in that department because, quite frankly, whenever they play, something weird happens. Some team does something that we're not accustomed to seeing them do, and you can look at the highlight tapes from years past if you want more proof of that. With that being said, for LSU, this would be a massive win. I mean, just in terms of the longevity for the Brian Kelly regime, I'm not alluding to anything with his job security. I'm just saying for next year, this would alleviate a lot of those talking points you're going to hear during the offseason. This would help him and help this program, obviously, to feel like they have some sort of proof of concept for Brian Kelly. Because I'm one of those guys that thinks that Brian Kelly is going to be fine at LSU. It's going to take some time. Got to put a fence around the boot, get their talent in there. But they're going to be more than fine at LSU. But a win like this would just sort of be a little bit of a Okay. All right. Yep, you're right. Nope, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Kind of calms everybody down a little bit to beat a team like Florida. Now, for Florida, I think this is a win that allows them to get some more confidence. 
because you've seen them look great at times. I mean, saw them beat Utah week one of the season. We've seen them look pretty average at times. Look at Kentucky. Look at the game where they let USF hang around for just about the entirety of that game. A win like this, I think, would signify, okay, we're still in the upper half of the SEC. And both first-year head coaches at their respective programs, it would be, to the same token, some proof of concept for what you have building there with Billy Napier. So that's kind of the, the stage for you. Our hinge points. If you're new to the program, hinge points for us are points within this game that we think if it favors one team or the other, that's going to dictate the way that this game goes. The first hinge point for me, do we see run game AR? Those of you that follow the NBA, you've heard of Hoodie Mello or Untucked Kyrie. Guys that just, when they have something going, whether it's their jersey untucked or Carmelo Anthony shows up in a hoodie, you know it's about to go down. Like, dude's about to get cooking. For AR, we need to see him tuck it and run. Because we have seen on multiple occasions, when that run game gets going for him specifically, when he decides to get in his bag and start making dudes miss in the open field and second read's not there, he's out the pocket, good things happen for this offense. And the numbers dictate so. When he has 10-plus carries, the offense has got a different juice. Look at Tennessee, for example. 17 carries in that game. Not a crazy amount of yards. He had two touchdowns. Tennessee scores 33. He had his best day through the air. Look at the game against Utah, which they won. 11 carries. He had over 100 yards. He had, I believe it was three touchdowns on the ground. Offense scored 29 points. They beat Utah. He was pretty efficient through the air. It was a rain game, so it's a little bit of an asterisk, but he was more efficient through the air, had a really good QBR that game. My feeling with AR is he is such a gifted athlete, and his instincts tell him to run, quite frankly, more than I think he does. If he's able to just sort of play free, if he's able to allow that run game to compound into him passing well, I think that's going to be crucial for the Florida offense. Has to happen in this game. If he wants to play hesitant, if he wants to sort of not all the way follow through when he feels like maybe he should be running, he tries to escape and try to pass, that's not the game that you want to play if you're AR. We've said it before. He's a wild horse. Do not saddle him. It's the first point for Florida. LSU has a aggressive front seven, an 8% sack rate on the year. If AR doesn't run, they're going to benefit from that. Because at that point, then you can kind of play both, right? You don't have to worry about him running, so you can just focus on the receivers. And if he does run, well, then you got to account for both. That's crucial for the balance of this game. Because for LSU, you cannot afford to start slow. Look at the last few games for them. Down 13-0 against Mississippi State. They came back in that game. They were down 17-0 to Auburn, came back in that game. Got down 20-0 against Tennessee. You're not coming back from that against Tennessee. Let's just take a look at the offense for LSU. Averaging 22 points a game against Power 5 competition. In four games, you have scored 89 points as a program. Some of those are attributed to the defense. Some of those are from special teams. Here's the deal. This is a race, and you're not the fast kid. You can't afford to spot Florida 10 points, 15 points, whatever you want to call it. That can't be the way that you live in this game. Because, again, your offense, you've proven on multiple occasions it can be good when it wants to be. It can kind of kick it into gear, but there's a ceiling to that. There's a governor to that. You're not going to be able to catch this Florida offense if you go down by two scores. Just the fact of the matter. So that's going to be extremely crucial for this LSU, whether it's the offense scoring with Florida, or whether it's the defense and that secondary, being able to play flexible and balanced on the back end, keeping AR in check. There has to be a sort of back and forth. Got to answer scores at the very least for LSU to have a puncher's chance in this game.
Final thing we're looking at. How much do you ask Jaden Daniels to carry for this LSU offense? Because, quite frankly, the offensive line has been musical chairs. This is their sixth different unit they're starting. That's, that's not good. I mean, continuity on the offensive line is crucial. And to not have that, you're hurting as an offense. Also, they haven't run the ball effectively. Maybe that's a byproduct of what they don't have on the offensive line. But last week, they had like 55 yards rushing. How many of you know it doesn't matter who you have playing quarterback? If you're running the ball for 55 yards in a football game, you could have Tom Brady back there. He's going to have some issues reading that defense. Just the fact of the matter. For Jaden Daniels, a lot of what we've seen is he has pressure after that first read, so he has to take off and go. That's great. It works a couple of times, but even if that works in the early going, Florida's going to be able to adjust to that. They're too athletic. They have too many guys on the defensive line. That can't be the way that you live as LSU. So if you ask him to do that, it's not going to go over well. All right? Just the fact of the matter. Now, can you give him some help? Can you be more creative in the run game? Can you have those receivers step up in a different way by getting the ball out to them and letting them work in space? Maybe it's more of the screen game. Maybe it's more of the quick game. There's got to be something else to this offense to where they can throw a counterpunch at Florida. Because if they can do that, like we already talked about, answering scores, even better yet, think about this. If LSU can play with a lead, put the pressure on Florida and an AR that's quite frankly been a little bit inconsistent from game to game, that would be the recipe for success for LSU. Extremely crucial, extremely crucial hinge point in this game for LSU as they go into enemy territory. Like we talked about, stranger things have happened. It's a weird game. Throw logic out the window. We're going to use logic, though, in picking this game. And here's what it comes down to for us. The LSU offense just gives us too much pause. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. This LSU offense isn't great. That's just the fact of the matter. Now, in years to come under Brian Kelly, they're going to get the right guys in. They're going to get some more continuity in. I mean, they've taken more transfers than anybody else in college football. It's taken some time to bake. Just the fact of the matter. Florida's running back room, if everything else goes to the dogs, if AR doesn't have the day that he wants to have, if the defense has issues, they can turn around and hand it to Travis Etienne and Montreal Johnson, averaging around seven, eight yards of carry, respectively. That is enormous. To have that consistency in the backfield to lean on when things get weird, because things will get weird in this game, I promise you, I think that's the difference. So I think it's ugly. I think it's physical. I think it is an SEC classic, as we typically get in this game, but Florida's on a revenge tour. And I think that pays dividends in this game, gets them over the hump. They get enough from the offense, enough from AR, and they bottle up Jaden Daniels enough to be able to win this game close. I think the Gators win this one in Gainesville 20-17. to Battle of first-year head coaches, their respective programs. going to be a lot of fun to watch. I am ecstatic to see that one play out. I think that's going to be pretty impactful in terms of determining the way the rest of the SEC race shakes out in terms of final standings as well. Roll party roll. All right, we have 130 of you beautiful people watching us right now. If you're not subscribed to the channel, we'd love to have you along for the ride. On top of that, shoot us a question in the live chat. Keeper the queue, Nick Brake, taking care of business, making this whole operation roll. We'd love to have you on board. Go ahead, subscribe. I anticipate a fair number of you that were here with us on Tuesday at 4 Eastern, 3 Central. We're also a part of our conversation where we picked Tennessee to be Alabama. And so if we're picking Tennessee to beat Alabama, I think it's fair to ask the next question, how did they get to the college football playoff? 
Because if you're telling me we're going toe-to-toe with Bama, well, Bama pretty much vacations at the college football playoff every single year. Like, that's on their calendar. What about us? What about us? I will put a pin in this and just say, Tennessee's win total in Vegas was like seven and a half, eight and a half wins. I think it actually was seven and a half wins. This is amazing that we're talking about this. This is incredible. If you had asked Tennessee fans what they were hoping for at the beginning of the year, I guarantee it would have been if we could find a way to be in that top two conversation in the SEC East and find a way to get to Atlanta, that'd be awesome. Talk about the playoff, like Jim Moore at playoffs. I just think that's worth noting. We love college football for that reason. So how would it happen? Let's lay out the map for the volunteers to find their way to the college football playoff. Got to start with the gauntlet. And it is the gauntlet. Let's read it off. Got Alabama third Saturday, excuse me, third Saturday in October, obviously, this coming Saturday. Then you get UT Martin, sort of a get-right game. Hopefully, you get Cedric Tillman healthy for the week following because you got Kentucky. That is a hinge point in every sense of the word, a hinge game, if you will. That is crucial. You cannot afford to look past Kentucky because that's a crucial look-ahead spot. They go to Georgia the next week, but if they don't win that game against Kentucky, this is all for naught, in my humble opinion. All right? Like we talked about, got Kentucky, go to Georgia, play Missouri at home, go to South Carolina, finish the year at Vandy. So there is three scenarios in my mind to how you would be able to get there. Option number one, you run the table. Mic drop, you run the table, you go undefeated, you win all of these games. It's crazy to say, it feels crazy to say, but it's not impossible. Tennessee runs the table undefeated. They get the number one seed in the college football playoff. That's option one. It's probably plan A, control what you control. The next two options, in my humble opinion, are a little bit more likely, but let's talk it out. Option two is you're a one-loss SEC champion. Whether you drop one to Georgia, whether you drop one to Bama, if you're a one-loss SEC champ, you're not getting locked out of the playoff just the way that it works. It just means more, right? Like that's the whole thing over there. It just means more. You get in. Option three, you're a one-loss SEC team, but you beat Bama, you lost to Georgia. So assuming Georgia and Bama meet up in the SEC title game, you hit your knees, we're in the Bible belt, and you put both hands on the bed at night and you pray for chaos. You just... Get in your prayer closet, and you pray for chaos. So here's the scenarios. We're going to go ahead and assume, like I mentioned, that Bama and Georgia, outside of Tennessee, went out. So let's ask this question. If you're a Tennessee fan, we posed it on Twitter as well, which game would you want to win if you could only win one, Georgia or Bama? I think the answer is you would rather beat Georgia for reasons about to get to here. Because let's say that you beat Alabama— and then you go out and beat Georgia. Well, then you're playing for the SEC title game, and you get to play Bama a second time. Flip that on its head. Let's say you lose the third Saturday in October. You lose to Bama, but then beat Georgia. Well, here's the deal. You then play Bama, likely, a second time in the SEC title game, like we already talked about, but this time you're the hunter. I think having beat Bama and then having to play them again in the SEC title game have a big old target on your back. I don't think you want to have that kind of scenario. So we're on, we're on board there. Lose to Bama, beat Georgia, SC title game, you're the hunter. If you lose to Georgia but beat Bama, you're back there. You got to beat Bama twice. That's a hard thing to do. 
for either programs, Bama or Tennessee, to be either program twice in a row would be a difficult feat. I think you want to be on the giving end the second time of that. So that's the reality there. So here's my feel. They have the ingredients to get it done. Can they get it done? And it has to take consistency, right? There's a couple of things that have to be happening in their favor for this to be the reality. First and foremost, we already talked about it, but the offense has to keep cooking. They have one of the best offenses in the country. If they can make it a track meet every single week, if that can kind of just be their MO, they're going to be in good shape. They don't play a team, quite frankly, the rest of the way that can score with them. But if the offense kind of takes the foot off the pedal just a little bit, or maybe they're not scoring 48, which is a tall order given, but let's just say they have an off day as an offense. Well, then that allows the other program to get back into the game. If your strength of your program is the offense, front seven's good. If you can just run away from everybody on the scoreboard, I think you'd like to live that way, quite frankly. This is probably the most important piece for me. The front seven's already really good. One of the best run defenses in the country. Allowing 2.8 yards of carry, allowing under 100 yards of rushing a game. Secondary's got to get better. Secondary right now for this Tennessee football team is the Achilles heel, and they know that. You beautiful people in Knoxville watching this show right now, you know that as well. There will be a time where the secondary, whether it's early in this Alabama game, whether it's late in the Georgia game, heck, it might be against Will Levis and company at Kentucky when they come to Knoxville. There will be a time where the secondary has to make some plays to win some football games for you. If they can progress, they can just get better than they are right now. Right now, they are not very good. They'll get tested this coming Saturday. If they can just progress a little bit more throughout the season and steadily get better, they're going to have a chance. Timing is everything. Situations is everything. But right now for Tennessee, you got the quarterback. He didn't come back to go to play in the, the Capital One Bowl. He came back to go to Atlanta. Josh Heupel says as much. It's on the table for you. Can you do it? We think they win this Saturday. We'll definitely talk about it again on Sunday, but Vols got a chance. We just charted the course. Can the Vols get it done? We think so. A couple of things need to happen. Just think about that, though. I mean, let's, let's step back from the playoff. If they beat Alabama this Saturday, like we think they will, Knoxville may burn down. Like, just being 100% honest. Knoxville may not be there on Sunday morning. And I don't think there would be any protests from anybody if that were to be the case. All right? We absolutely love it. Keep an eye on the Vols, though. It'll be a whole lot of fun. Again, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Love to have you on board. We're going to keep this thing rolling. We're live here on Tuesdays, and we're live here on Thursdays. 3 Central, 4 Eastern on both days. We'd love to have you a part of this community. Absolute blast. All right, Oklahoma State goes to TCU this coming Saturday. The winner gets pole position in the Big 12. This TCU team, quite frankly, is the team that I think a lot of us, at least over here, expected Oklahoma to be. Dynamic offense under a coach with his first year in that program, and they're playing pretty solid defense as well. For Oklahoma State, this is their separation Saturday. They've been hovering right around that Top of the Big 12 conversation for a while now. They're always in the race when it comes to November. They were, let's call it what it is, like a couple fingernails away from winning the whole thing last year. That goal line stand by Baylor is kind of what did it. This is their Saturday where they prove that, no, we are the big dog in the Big 12. TCU, you're a great story. Kansas, you're a great story. Kansas State, you're a great story. But we're going to assert our dominance right now. We've got a mature quarterback. We're going to take care of business. 
separation Saturday for both programs. For Oklahoma State, stakes feel pretty high. Which defense can create more possessions? It sounds funny to say, but both of these offense are humming like over 40 points a game from both these programs. Quite frankly, I think the difference is which defense can steal a possession. They're both averaging about a takeaway a game. I'll just say this. If one program can get two turnovers, I think that's the team that wins the game. Maybe it's not quite as black and white as that, but with a game where I don't expect there to be a ton of stops, I think whoever can give their offense more bullets will have a better chance to win the game. It sounds simplistic. That's just the way it goes, though. Both these offenses have been on fire, both averaging, like we already talked about, over 40 points a game. Can the defenses be opportunistic enough? It doesn't have to be a bunch of stops. It doesn't have to be a stonewall kind of defense. Can you create more opportunities for your offense? Heck, we'll go ahead and group this into it. Special teams. Can special teams be a difference maker? Because I feel like it's a stalemate offensively. Both are going to try and run it up. Which of those, whether defense or special teams, can make the difference in this game, especially in crunch time? Keep an eye on that. Also, what's the tempo of this game? Because we just said it. They're going to score. I think that the over is going to hit easily. For TCU, they're averaging about seven yards a carry as an offense. They're a team that can, if they want to, slow it down. Now, they don't typically do that. That's not really how they get down down there in Fort Worth. But if they want to, they could easily, I say easily, they would like to, I would imagine, be able to keep the ball out of Spencer Sanders' hands. Now, maybe they want to push the tempo and just put pressure on them that way. But if they were to slow it down, what does that do to the rest of this game? If they have the ability to do that, what does that do to the gameplay effect? I think that's something to watch for. Because for Oklahoma State, they are good, not great in terms of what they do defensively against the run. And I think if TCU can take advantage of that, again, it's not horrific, but I'm just saying it's not necessarily a house of horrors. There could be some opportunity there for TCU. On top of that, if TCU did slow it down, let your defense rest. I mean, that is such a luxury to have, especially in this game where there's going to be a lot of points scored. To have a 10-play drive, 9-play drive, let the defense get some Gatorade, a little oxygen mask action. It only increases your chances of being able to, like I said, create more possessions for your defense and be able to get more stops for your defense. I mean, that is ultimately, I think, a really, really big deal in this game as it goes to unfold. Our prediction for this game, here's the deal. I have just seen Spencer Sanders over the years, right? Since he was a freshman and he's, he's been special at times for Oklahoma State. I want to make sure I say that. To the same token, I have seen on many an occasion Spencer Sanders willingly, eh, willingly is harsh. I have seen him multiple times gift the football to the other team. 12 interceptions, 16 touchdowns was his stat line a year ago. Now, a lot of those came against Baylor. They kind of had his number, but the number still stands. It's not a great ratio. I don't know that I still trust him. To be honest, I still think that the reversion, the regression of Spencer Sanders is still out there. This TCU team is going to put pressure on that offense to score, like we talked about, could be a track meet kind of event. And then on top of that, the back end of this defense isn't great. Like, I, I talked a little bit about what TCU can do running the football and how that could be a hinge point in this game. But on the back end, Oklahoma State's allowing 342 pass yards a game. 131 FBS teams, that puts them right smack dab at 130. Translation, 
Houston, we got issues in the back end, just the way it works. Oklahoma, we might have problems. Oklahoma State, rather. Quentin Johnson is a freak show. He is a guy that you are going to hear a whole lot about when you start drafting for fantasy football in a few years here as just a touchdown machine. He went berserk against Kansas. I would expect an encore from him in this game. Max Duggan and company would anticipate that they run a little bit to set up the pass. Quinton Johnston will have a very big game in this football game, and I think that's the reason why TCU wins. That's just, you can't allow big play after big play and still expect to keep pace. And again, my own reservations on Spencer Sanders are why I feel that way. So to put it shortly, I think that TCU wins this game 38-31, to 31, and the Frogs take pole position of the Big 12 Conference. Right next to Kansas State, both those teams are going to have a chance to play their way into the Big 12 title game, but TCU still got to play Texas, still have their work cut out for them, but we think TCU wins this game, think they win it by a touchdown. So they would cover that four points they're favored by. All right. We talk a lot about the college football playoff on this show. Why? Because we love winners, quite frankly. We, we understand that the regular season is the most beautiful thing about college football. I love bowl games. I love conference championships. I love the college football playoff as well. Who are the dark horses right now? Like, think about last year. Michigan, never been to the college football playoff before, found their way in. Cincinnati, never been to the college football playoff before, they find their way in. I'm going to give you three dark horses real quick and tell you who I think of those three has the best chance to make it into the big dance. We waste no time. Minnesota, they're off this week. They go at Illinois, at Penn State. They got Rutgers at Nebraska, Northwestern at home, Iowa at home, finish at Wisconsin. Why we like them? Experienced quarterback. Tanner Morgan's been there for 47 years. That helps you a lot in the game of college football. They also have a running back, Mohamed Ibrahim. If you haven't watched him play, I would encourage you to do so. He puts on a clinic every single week, leaves the defense with a juice box and a T-shirt, says, thanks so much for coming. Come back next week. He is a dude. That is a formula that is going to allow them to be successful late into the season. Also, haven't played a ton of formidable competition just yet, but they're only allowing eight and a half points a game. That's ridiculous. That's best in the country. The big hurdle we're looking at, that Penn State game. Got to go to Penn State in Happy Valley. If they can win that game, this conversation becomes a lot more interesting. How they'd have to do it, though, got to be a one-loss conference champion. That's the strain point for them. So likely, you play Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten title game. We'll see what happens, but we like Minnesota a whole lot as one of our dark horses. UCLA. Everyone's talking about USC and Utah. What about UCLA? They're undefeated. They just took Utah to the woodshed. They got at Oregon, got Stanford at Arizona State. They go Arizona at home, USC at home, at Cal in the Pac-12 title game. That's the gauntlet for them. We like them because the offense is lethal. Scoring over 40 points a game. Got an experienced dual threat quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. As long as he doesn't turn the ball over, going to keep you in a whole lot of games. They're really solid on the run. I mean, giving up 100 yards a game, it's pretty solid. That's going to honestly be a difference maker in the Pac-12. I think UCLA is one of the tougher teams, which we didn't really expect. Kind of a tough brand of football being played down there in Los Angeles. Here's what has to happen for them. And this is the tricky part. Got to go undefeated. Just the way that it works in the Pac-12 conference, just the connotation you have around the West Coast, just the kind of brand of football that they are viewed to be playing down there. If you're a one-loss conference champion, I think you get left out. I hope I'm wrong on that. 
but I think that's the way it works. So with that being said, may have to beat a team twice, whether it's Utah to beat them again or it's USC. That is easier said than done, but we'll see how this whole thing shakes out. I'm excited to watch how this, how this unfolds for UCLA because I think they got something special down there in Westwood. TCU, we already talked about it. They're our third dark horse. They have a statement game against Oklahoma State. That would be an enormous win for them. Then they play Kansas State at home. They go to West Virginia. They play Texas Tech at home. Then they go to Texas and to Baylor. Play Iowa State and then have the Big 12 title game. Like we already talked about, I think TCU is in some way, shape, or form filling the mold that I thought Oklahoma was going to be because they're playing really great offensively. And what that allows them to do in a conference that is very much in a transition period, a lot of new coaches, a lot of new quarterbacks, they're hitting the ground running and they're wasting no time and it's ramping up at just the right time in their schedule. If they can get past Oklahoma State, things will get very, very interesting. The offense itself, in my opinion, with how explosive they are, with how they're built, with what Max Duggan brings running the football, I think they'll be in every single game they play in. Now, the stretch that worries me is at Texas and at Baylor. That's both in November. Not necessarily a recipe you get excited about, but it could happen. Again, with the way the Big 12 is situated, you would have to win, quite frankly, you'd have to beat a team twice. So not the same situation as UCLA because UCLA may draw somebody else in the Pac-12 title game, but for TCU, you're drawing somebody twice. Can you beat them twice? It's a very, very big variable. The difference, though, and this is why I like TCU the most of these three, I think a one-loss Big 12 champion gets in. We've seen it in the past, especially if they were to drop one of those games in November and then get to avenge it in the Big 12 title game. That would be huge. That would be the way I think you could see them getting into the title game or getting into the Big 12, excuse me, getting into the college football playoff, rather. So all three of these teams, some dark horses, got some big games on the horizon. It's only going to be week seven. A lot of football to be played. But keep an eye on these three because I like how they're built. I like the structure of their offenses. I like what they do defensively, how tough they are. All three of these teams are tough. It's kind of the key word here. Keep an eye on what these teams do the rest of the college football season. All right, we got 122 of you watching right now. One, thank you. Two, subscribe to the channel. Three, we're about to get this party started. It is now my pleasure and my honor to bring on the better-looking half of the hard count duo, the man who does the heavy lifting, Nick, bad man, break. <laughs> Welcome to the program, brother. How we doing? JD, uh, it's a lovely Thursday. Uh, lovely Thursday. You're in Nashville, so uh, we're going to get right started, or right to it, I should say. Love it. Um, well, we have someone who, A, gave us a, a cash tip, so thank you very much. Oh, wow. uh, they're going under the alias of Lincoln Riley. I can only assume it is not the true uh, Lincoln Riley. It, might, so, it may be. Well, it, the tip kind of makes it look like it because that might be that USC money hmm. uh, that we're seeing coming okay. back at us. But he asked uh, kind of an interesting question. I don't think Lincoln Riley would ask you this. He says, well, when will Oklahoma be back? That is a great question. Yeah, for Lincoln, uh, very kind of him to check on his former program. For those of you that don't know, Lincoln Riley, <laughs> there is some, uh, I don't know if bad blood the right word. The folks in Norman aren't speaking very highly of him today. When will Oklahoma be back? I think that's a very good question. A lot of it to me lies with how much ammunition can Brent Venables get from this season? 
because the way they've lost has been, quite frankly, embarrassing. And I wonder how that'll impact recruiting. I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just wondering, is that a tool that he can use on the trail to get his guys still in the door? Now, the thing I would say is what you've seen on from them from on, on the field perspective, I mean, the offense and the defense are both things that I don't think him or Jeff Levy are signing off on. So it's not yet a Brent Venables coach team. It's not really a Jeff Levy coach team just yet because of what they're doing on the field. That's kind of a cop-out, but it's how I feel. So when will they be back? I think next year with the transfer portal and just the nature of both of those systems they run and the nature of the Big 12, quite frankly, it could be a one-year revamp. Now, I will say this. It's not going to be this year. Just kind of got to grin and bear it, got to take your lumps. You're down bad at OU. I mean, there's a lot at the end of the tunnel, but I don't think it's this year. Next year, we'll sort of revamp and talk about it, depending on what they do in the transfer portal. Good question, though. Appreciate Lincoln joining the show, man. How about that? Good guy. He also clarified while we were talking, he says, I am real. So I love it, yeah. Maybe it could be him. There was no doubt on this side, just to be clear. I mean, I know he watches the program religiously, even with his busy practice schedule. I hope he does. He, mm-hmm. I'd like to think he does. Uh, Colin Gorham wants to know, he says, hashtag AskJD. I like that. He says, how many points do you think the Vols need to pull off the upset on Saturday? That's a great question. How many points do the Vols need? Well, I think, quite frankly, it's got to be somewhere in the 30s. We had them scoring 37. I think high 30s will get it done. Now, a very big variable as the time of us being live, uh, we don't know if Bryce Young is going to play. So that number could be lower if you're playing a Jalen Milrow quarterbacked Crimson Tide offense. I think it probably has to be more than 30. More than 30, I think it's going to be a competitive game. Less than that, you risk Alabama kind of dictating the tempo. Maybe Jameer Gibbs just kind of gets going like he did against Arkansas and like he did last week. So if they can score more than 30, 35 is kind of that number I'm looking at. I think Rocky Top's going to be in good shape. Let's go back to that game. Uh, more Rocky Top questions. This one is getting a lot of ground in the comments. Uh, Sumner Darlington wants to know, is, is Dixieland Delight a Tennessee or Alabama song? Remember, it plays at every Alabama song. Hmm. But it mentions Tennessee quite a bit, so it's hmm. a good question. That's a tricky song. Well, how about this? Whoever wins the game on Saturday, it's their song for the next 365. How about that? If, if Tennessee can win that game, Dixieland Delight... Rocky Top, it's yours. However, if you drop that Alabama, they get it till the next third Saturday in October. I think that's a fair way to put it. What do you think, Nick? Am I, am I being am I being unfair in putting that sort of you know stakes on that game? Yeah, look, that I don't know if the Alabama uh, students will agree, but here on the hard count, we'll say if uh, if Tennessee is to win, we'll, we'll claim Dixieland delight for us volunteers. I'm not saying I'm a Tennessee fan, but I'm a resident here. But uh, we're going to stay in that game. Everyone wants to talk about this game. Um, This is a good question. And, again, um, I'm going to still call him Drago. He hasn't corrected me yet. Love it. Uh, He's back. Wants to know, hey, J.D., would you say if Bryce Young was there on Saturday, would you still pick the Volunteers to win? Because you did pick Tennessee on Tuesday. Yeah, we're standing by that. I think even if Bryce Young does play, my question is, okay, well, how healthy is he? And a lot of my concerns about Alabama don't lie quite as much with the quarterback position. Like, we picked that game assuming Bryce Young would be able to play in the game, which, again, is sort of more of a feel than anything that's been reported or factual. I just think Bryce Young's going to play is what it is. My concern is still in the secondary. Concerns with the secondary and what they're going to do against this Tennessee receiving core. It sounds like no Cedric Tillman for this game, but Jalen Hyatt, been a dog all year. Brew McCoy, he's come along really nicely. He's been a dog for them. I just worry about the defense more than I do 
anything that has to do with that quarterback position. And we've seen, honestly, even when Bryce Young is in the game, it took like three, three and a half quarters for that receiving core to get going against Texas. So I have my own concerns that lie outside of Bryce Young. Now, if Bryce Young does play, I think it's a much better game. I'll just say that. But I love it. Drago being consistent in the chat, too. How about that, Nick? Love oh, it. every yeah. Look, we're getting more and more regular commenters, and I love that. It's awesome. Um, keep going. So we got one, a couple more questions. Okay. Uh, someone named UT Engineer. Uh, so we got someone working hard down in Austin. He says if Quinn Ewers balls out the rest of the season and gets UT to the Big Ten, or the Big Twelve championship, and wins it, uh, does that equate to a Heisman invite in your mind? That's a great question. I think so. I think some of it depends on the numbers. Is it a Quinn Ewers that he's throwing for 300 every game, or does he have that one letdown game? Maybe it's against TCU, maybe it's against Kansas. So I think the cosmetics of that are important, but quite frankly, with how well he's played when limited action, I would imagine he's putting up big numbers. I would imagine that offense is screaming. And then just think about the the feel around the college football landscape. If Quinn Ewers brings Texas, and I'll put it in quotation marks, if he, if he brings Texas back to the Big 12 title game, I think it'd be very hard, especially if they win that game. And if he has a big game in that game, we're speculating a lot here. He would at least be good enough for a Heisman invite in my mind. Depends a little bit on what some other guys do around the country. What is Caleb Williams doing? What is CJ Stroud doing? But in my mind, that's good enough for a Heisman invite. I mean, absolutely. I mean, Quinn Ewers has got a lot of opportunity in front of him. Now, does he win it? Missed some time already, which gives me some pause. But Heisman invite, I'd give it to him if they win the Big 12 title. J.D., I think we want to go back to the Tennessee-Alabama uh, game. Let's more. do it. Let's do it. Uh, John Boer wants to know. I think John's also asked a question before in the past, so welcome back, John. Uh, how do the defense for the Vols have to play to keep in range with Alabama's offense? That's a great question. Secondary's got to step up, right? Like, secondary has to come to play. They've been bad all season long, but the front seven could be the equalizer. Now, what do I mean by that? We've seen, at times, Alabama be – average protecting whoever's playing quarterback i'm not saying they're allowing tons of sacks i'm not saying that they are just you know abysmal on that side of the ball or at that unit but we've seen at times they have been a little bit leaky this tennessee front seven if they can get to whoever's playing quarterback on a semi-consistent basis that changes the entire complexion of what you're doing on the back end because remember alabama they haven't exactly been hitting home runs with that d ball they haven't exactly been just stretching the field all game long I wonder what would happen if you get a Tennessee consistent pass rush on whoever's playing quarterback. I think that changes the game. So it starts with me on the front seven, but you got to hold up. Excuse me, you have to at least hold up your end of the bargain if you're in that Tennessee secondary. For me, Nick, let's do it. We got, we got one more in us? We've got one more. Let's do it. Um, and this is a question that's been followed up with a pretty solid answer. So Jimmy S. wants to know, uh, what are your sleeper? what is your big sleeper game this weekend? A.B. Bailey responded, uh, Clemson, Florida State. Do you agree? Do you have another one in mind, J.D.? Clemson, Florida State is where I'm looking. We previewed this game already. Separation Saturday, right? Florida State lost the last two. They're kind of wounded going back home. Clemson taking DJ Uyungle to the most difficult environment he's ever been in in his college career. We find out a lot about Clemson. We find out, quite frankly, a lot about the ACC in that game to me, Nick. So I like that question. I like where their head's at. Sleeper game is in Tallahassee this week because if Clemson can win that game, I'm not saying it's an easy path the rest of the way. Still got to play Syracuse, but this is one of their, in their mind at least, one of their last hurdles to have a spot locked up to play for the title in that conference. Good call, I JD. absolutely love that. Awesome. Good well, call, folks, man. Awesome. Nick, you got anything else for us, brother? Well, I'll tell you my Wrap sleeper. Yeah, hit me with mind. it, man. Yeah, what um, we got? 
the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, my alma mater, taking a trip down 100 miles south uh, to Murfreesboro to play MTSU. There's some some Conference USA hate going on this weekend. Okay. I'm taking the Hilltoppers. We like tops on top in that one. Tops on top. Get that winning record back. Let's roll, baby. I love it. Roll I was tops. hoping we are going to get the Western Kentucky <laughs> mention in at some point throughout this show, but I think that's the exact right spot to put an exclamation mark on this show. Tops on top. Folks, thank you so much for being locked in with us. This is an absolute blast. If y'all aren't tuned in, if y'all aren't subscribing, if y'all aren't commenting, if y'all aren't liking the video, one, if you haven't already, I encourage you to do that. But you doing that makes this fun, makes it a community. It makes it something that's ours. Like, yes, we have the camera here, the mic here, but this is our show together. So we appreciate you being a part of this. We appreciate you driving the operation. Again, subscribe to the channel. We're on podcasts. If you like podcasts, Apple and Spotify, we're there for you. We're going to keep doing this. Live, Tuesday at 3 Central, 4 Eastern, live on Thursday at the exact same time. Also, when the whole college football Saturday wraps up for you on Sunday morning, come right back here because we are going to be unloading the clip on content here, talking about everything that happened on your college football Saturday. So until then, we're going to keep the party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.